Good morning and welcome to chapel. My name is Bob Yoder, the campus pastor here. I want to give a special welcome to all of you on this nice chilly morning, but also to um, a number of wonderful prospective students that we have and their families. So welcome here to Goshen College. May you experience a warm and wonderful day, even though the ground is currently covered with snow or bits of snow left. Our campus ministry's theme this year has been Serving Christ. This morning, we're delighted to have President Brenneman share with us a sermon titled Crazy Dogging, Foot Washing, Servant Leading. President Brenneman is in his sixth year as president here at Goshen College. Before we continue in worship through singing, I invite us to pray together. Let us pray. Oh God, your chilly and crisp morning covered with the white stuff with tips of green shining through is another example of your wondrous creation. We welcome your presence with us this morning in this chapel and may your spirit and wisdom be with us all through our singing, our speaking, and in our listening. Amen. As with every Friday morning chapel, I light this lamp in front of me as a reminder of God's ever-moving and ever-acting Spirit's presence among us. Hi, good morning, everyone. I realize that there's snow on the ground outside, but we decided because of that that we should, we should probably get in more of a, a joyous summertime mood. So uh, if all of you could stand with us, and we're going to start off singing this morning uh, the song By the Waters of Babylon. So uh, really, let your voice go free on this one. And uh, it's number 22 in Sing the Journey, but you can also just watch it on the, the PowerPoint above. So uh, join us in singing By the Waters of Babylon. All right, by the wires of Babylon. By the waters of Babylon, where we sat down, and there we went when we remembered Zion. By the waters of Babylon, where we sat down. And there we went when we remembered Zion. For the wicked carried us away, captivity required from us a song. How can we sing a holy song in a strange land? For the wicked carried us away, captivity required from us a song. How can we sing a holy song in a strange land? So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, oh God. Now let's just sing ah, 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 ah. Let's hear some harmonies. Ah, ah, ah. 
sam. waters of Babylon where we sat down and there we went when we remembered Zion by the waters of Babylon where we sat down and there we went we remembered Zion for the Carried us away captivity Required from us a song How can we sing a holy song In a strange land For the wicked carried us away Captivity Required from us a song How can we sing a holy song In a strange land So let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight oh god very nice singing guys uh next song we're gonna do here is uh how can we be silent this is also a different version of it. after we did by the wise of babylon we thought we should keep the beat up here a little bit so uh uh, this is uh, the song, How Can We Be Silent? And uh, we'll give a, a little introduction here with John. Verses one. One, oh yeah, verses 1, 2, and 5 we're singing if you're doing it and Sing the Journey, or you can also watch the PowerPoint. shape the future we will not be silent verse 2 how can we be silent when our God has conquered death stretching out his arms to suffer so that we might have new life how can we be silent when we are the voice of Christ glory, ending suffering and strife. None can stop the spirit burning now inside us. We will shape the future. We will not be silent. Verse 5 next. How can we be silent when our souls are filled with awe? the beauty of creation and the mercy of our Lord. How can we be silent when we yearn to 
sing new songs In our hearts a fire is burning And it will not be ignored None can stop the spirit Burning now inside us We will shape the future We will not be silent Maybe seated It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured out the water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, you shall never wash my feet. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For Jesus knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. For very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. How many of you are dog lovers? any dog people in the house? Wow. Well, I would like you, I wish I could have brought Farley, our dog, to meet uh, with you this morning, but instead I brought simply my only slide of the morning. That's Farley, our dog. We're a first-time dog family. And Farley is about a year and three months old. He's um, rather rambunctious. He's a labradoodle. Got lots of doodle and a little bit of lab. And uh, <laughs> believe me, he has begun to teach us, as a family, some wonderful truths. You know, I, we have learned already from Farley that uh, if you ever get a chance to go for a joyride, do it. 
And if the wind is blowing in your face, whether in the car or anywhere else, just sit back and enjoy it. It's ecstasy for Farley and for us. If someone comes and visits you at your house, and or maybe a loved one comes home from work, run to the door and welcome them. And if you're feeling good about something, if you're happy about something, don't just stand there. You know, shake your body and wiggle. You know, dance a little, get excited. If what you want is buried, dig it up until you get it. <laughs> Love unconditionally. Be loyal. These are just a few of the things we've already learned from Farley in the uh, year and a couple of months that we've had him. Learning spiritual lessons from dogs. Now that's a new one. Unless, of course, you remember that Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples on the mountain, he said to them, you know, if you want to learn about trust in God, look to the lilies of the field and to the sparrows. And then again in the book of Proverbs, it says that if you want to learn about how, uh, the importance and value of hard work, look to the ants in the ground. The Native American Crow Nation the Crow tribe of Montana also has a tradition in which they learn from nature, and they also learn from their dogs as well. Brian Brown Walker, in his book, The Crazy Dog Guide to Happiness, has, has, has talked about this ancient ritual that the Crow people have. That is, every now and then, once a year perhaps, they do this ritual called the Day of the Crazy Dog. And in this day, they let go of all their pretensions. That is, they, they just do crazy things, unexpected things, like follow your dog around and do whatever the dog does. That's where the name comes from. And or wear your clothes inside out. Or if you're young, take on the role of some of the chiefs or the elders, sort of like chief of the day, or president of the day, if you will. Or if you're an elder or chief, go around and act like your kids for a change. Remember what it was like to just let loose. And so for a whole day, there's this kind of amazing, upside-down, crazy dog world that they are living in. If it were th that way, if I were greeting you this morning like Farley greets us, I would just give you a friendly bark and lick you on the face. So beware today if I get <laughs> carried away, okay? Acting on such crazy or foolish ways was considered by the Crow people in this ritual as a sacred act of self-surrender, of relinquishing control, of letting go of the pretensions by which we all are bound by in life. Amish culture calls such acts of relinquishment galassenheit, meaning yieldedness. Now, the Amish, by contrast, show their humility in part by everyone dressing alike at all times so as not to stand out, at least in their own community. In crazy dog terms, the Amish are sort of like a pack of nearly identical dogs, but they are in contrast to the world around them. It's a reminder of relinquishing symbols of st status or dress or things that would set you out apart from others within your community. The story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet 
is exactly one of these upside-down, inside-out, crazy dog rituals. The actual act of foot washing itself is nothing new. In the first century, people, after long walks, they would show up at the house, let's say, and there would often be a basin there for them to wash their feet. That's nothing unusual about that. And perhaps even a house servant might come in, in an upper-class home, might come and wash the visitor's feet as well. Once in a while, we know a person might even wash someone else's feet as, out as a pure act of devotion or love, a sign of their love. So we remember the story of the woman with the long hair who washed Jesus' feet, anointed his feet, really, with her bottle of expensive perfume. So that's not unusual in itself. That is, to wash someone's feet. What was really remarkable, unusual, crazy dog-like, was when Jesus... The master rabbi washed his disciples' feet. The master teacher or the master of the house washing the feet of the house servants. Or the king of any kingdom or the lord of any rule to do what Jesus did. That is, to act in a very unusual, upside-down way against all pretension. And at first, the, the story as it was read to us this morning, you recall, to show you what a shock it was, Peter initially says to Jesus, you will never wash my feet. And he only relents when Jesus insists, and we'll come back to that in a minute. This whole text is oftentimes used as a quintessential text whenever we talk about one of our core values called servant leadership. It's the one we would naturally gravitate to. This year at Goshen College, we're focusing on the paradoxical, crazy dog core value called servant leadership, one of the five here. This morning, however, I really don't want to spend a whole lot of time on, on saying exactly what this servant leadership means. At the opening convo, I listed several uh, character traits of a servant leader. Always be open to listening, be vulnerable, laugh at yourself, uh, be willing to you know, let down your pretensions, go the extra mile, uh, and also leadership, that is, take on the challenge of shaping culture and, and, and making society into, uh, to value this same kind of, of core value called servant leadership. Every year at Goshen College, we spend, by a conservative estimate I did recently, about 60,000 hours in service of all kinds, if you include our study service terms, our mission, our ministry inquiry programs, our student teaching, you name it, 60,000 hours. And we do a lot about service learning here. And so I'm not so worried that over the course of your time at Goshen College, you're going to discover what we mean by being a servant leader. We do that pretty well. And you learn by doing here. And I hope most of all that you learn that it is something that can bring you great joy in serving others above self. So rather than call you once again to lives of servant leadership, I want to focus our attention on the crazy dog notion of what it means to have our feet washed by Jesus, the divine servant leader. You recall it, it shocked Peter. It shocked the disciples for Jesus to be doing this, so much so that he initially said, you will never wash my feet. But Jesus told Peter, if you refuse, you will have no part in the kingdom. It's Peter's next response that begs for our attention. 
Lord, wash not only my feet, but wash my head and my hands also. Lord, wash all of me. I love that response by Peter. Wash all of me, Lord. Brother Helmuth, we called our elders in the church I grew up in, Ybor City, Tampa, little clapboard church back in the, well, long time ago. We called each other brother and sister, and we read the Bible literally, and when it said, wash each other's feet, when Jesus said, I want you to do that for one another, we did it. Brother Helmuth had the oldest, gnarliest, wrinkliest feet that I had ever seen. And I saw them for the first time in church. And my own feet were all of nine years old. His were well into their 80s. He and I got partnered up to be foot washers that morning for each other. As the brethren sang, as we would say, the women were off singing somewhere else and washing each other's feet. The men were singing this old, old hymn called, I Need Thee Every Hour. Every hour I need thee. You may have heard that song sung. And while they were singing that song, Brother Helmuth wraps himself in a white towel and kneels down and puts my nine-year-old feet tenderly into this tin bucket of warm water and begins to wash my feet treating each one of my feet as if they were a precious item to behold. I squirmed, you know, feeling a little awkward, not knowing exactly what's, what is this all about, and I got to do the, the thing in return. But looking back, I almost imagine that for him, and certainly for me, in that moment, it was as if time and space collapsed and we were sitting there in the upper room with Jesus, and there I was having my feet washed. It taught me something that no catechism has ever taught me before or since, in a way that none has ever taught me. It was as if I were acting out a parable. I was participating in a great parable about life. I discovered in that crazy dog ritual, while grown men sang about their need of God every hour, that God in Christ quite literally by the Spirit came down from the lofty mountain's grandeur, even further came down from the heavenly realms of glory, down past the kings and queens of the world, down past the Ivy Leagues and the Cadillac crowd, to a little kid who lived in a hopelessly blighted neighborhood at 4606 22nd Street. And nothing has ever been quite the same since. If you remember one thing, only one thing I say today, I hope it's this. The first, last, and in-between state of mind uh, and heart of every would-be servant leader must be the absolute awareness of his or her spiritual need of the servant-like God. The last, the first, and every in-between state of mind and heart of every would-be servant leader among us must be the absolute awareness of our spiritual need of the, spirit, of the servant leader, God. 
We all need God. Soren Kierkegaard, the melancholy Danish philosopher who spoke of human angst, human dread, human anxiety, human sadness, and ultimately human death. I mean, Soren Kierkegaard grew up in, in Denmark, and the weather was a lot like northern Indiana. <laughs> that is, it rained for about 170 days. Only I, I, We have 70% where we don't see the sun, I think. I mean, it's a melancholy place, so you could experience him. He was the father, founder in philosophy of existentialism. But Soren Kierkegaard lived and talked a lot about angst and anxiety and dread. And he once said, to need God is humankind's highest perfection. The highest human achievement, he says, the highest human achievement is to let God help you. The highest human achievement, higher than discovering some scientific breakthrough, higher than winning the Nobel Prize, higher than graduating from the college that is the top 4% in the nation. The highest human achievement is to let God help you and me. Wash not just my feet, O Lord. Wash my hands and my mind and my body and my soul. I've read the biographies or autobiographies of some amazing servant leaders. Harriet Tubman, a slave girl who became abolitionist, founder of the Underground Railroad. She said, the train never got off the track and I lost not one of my passengers. Sojourner Truth, a slave, who spoke before a joint session of Congress in her later life. Dorothy Day, the co-founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, who started hospices throughout New York City and they've spread across the world since 1930 and have continued to grow. Nelson Mandela, Tony Dungy, the Super Bowl coach, Flannery O'Connor, if you read any of her novels, you'll read that she says the same thing over and over and over about the provenient grace, she doesn't say it quite this way, the provenient grace of God that permeates all of life if only we opened our eyes, her characters, that is, would open their eyes and see it. C.S. Lewis, Martin Luther King Jr., St. Francis of Assisi, Elton True Blood, the Quaker soul, Brother Lawrence, who learned about God while washing pots and pans in the monks in the monastery's kitchen, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, Eileen Collins, the first woman astronaut to fly a shuttle mission. Well, you get the picture, this hall of fame of servant leaders. Every one of them tell of a time or times when they realized they were not ultimately in control of their own lives. All of them, at one time or another, had the crazy dog realization of knowing that they were formed and shaped and helped along by other servant leaders around them. All of them, self-confident, strong-willed, mighty forces of good, still recognize their need of, of and desire for God, God's presence. Not just my feet, not just my hands, but my head and my whole self, O oh Lord. Last week I had 
a crazy dog experience at the dog park with Farley. Farley loves everyone at the dog park, dog and human alike. That's another lesson he's taught me, is approach anyone, even if they turn around to bite you, and love on them. Everyone at the dog park, all the dogs seem to love Farley, and all the people love Farley, too. He's introduced me to some wonderful dog people from all walks of life. Two huskies named Diesel and Zuko have an owner named Joan who's been in and out of rehab, smokes like a stovepipe and cusses like a sailor. I came to the park pretty depressed after Professor Jim Miller's loss, our tragic loss of him. I was plain tired, pooped, beat, down and out. And I wasn't there more than 10 minutes when she walked up to me, she took my arms like this and looked into my eyes and she said, I've been praying for you. You stay strong. Don't let this get to you. I've seen you on TV. You're doing all right. Wow. I needed that. God, in Christ, in Joan, came to me that day, thanks to Farley. What a crazy dog life. That same spirit-leading, spirit-loving God is here in spirit, ready with towel and basin to wash your feet and mine, to help us succeed or walk with us in our failings, that servant God still bends all the way down across time and space to cleanse us, to restore our souls, to refresh our minds, to purify our desires, to strengthen our resolve to do right, to give us courage to serve others above ourselves, to inspire our hopes, to wash away our sorrows, our fears, our anxieties, and our wrongdoings. That's crazy. But oh, how much we need such a crazy dog love. Farley knows all about it. I hope we do, too. Amen. All right, we're going to finish out this morning with the hymn number 430, God Be With You. Uh, you can also look. We'll have the words uh, on the PowerPoint. If you could stand with us for this last one as well, this last song here. It tries to. God be with you till we meet again. Loving counsels guide, uphold you. May the shepherd care unfold you. God be with you till we meet again. 
God be with you till we meet again. Unseen wings protecting, hide you. Daily manna still provide you. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. When life's perils thick confound you, put on failing arms around you. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. Love's banner floating o'er you Smite death's threatening wave before you God be with you till we meet again And may the love of God continue to enfold you, walk with you, and play with you in the snow. Go in peace. <laughs>